What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 36 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, Day, March 1st, 2017. It is the 1st of March. I feel like three months ago we were just doing the New Year's thing, and now we're in, we're up in 2017's ass right now. I mean, we're yeah, up in that. all up in there. There's no all denying. There. So any of those New Year's resolutions, any of that stuff you said was going to change in 2017, Come on, you know it hasn't changed. You're still the same douchebag you were in 2016. You haven't moved those old tires from the backyard and put them out to recycling like you said you would. You haven't lost that 20 pounds. Just give up on it. It's in, we're in March by now. <laughs> anyway, I'm joined with my co-host here, Mike. Savage. How, how you doing, Mike? Savage Josh over here. Yeah. Um, I'm doing fine. Uh, just uh, basically just taking things day by day. Still working on learning uh, for my uh, driver's permit. Just, you know, studying that a bit. And uh, that's really all, you know. I'm just, all right, Mike. If you come to a four-way stop, how do you know who goes first? Uh, you put me on the spot there. And a uh, four-way spot, how do you know? Isn't, isn't this one of the things where you just have to, because if there's no signal... Is this where there's like a signal doesn't work? There's four so stop signs. To, there's four stop signs. Yep, on each. Uh, the first person that goes first? I don't know. Yes, that's that's right. The first person oh. that, that gets to the stop sign first, they go, and then it kind of goes in order from, in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that kind of stuff is kind of, it's, I think it's a little self-explanatory, you know, so. You'd be we'll surprised. See. You would be surprised. Wait till you start driving and you see how stupid people are. And it's like, oh, you would think these things would be self-explanatory, but they're really not. Like using your blinker. That's a given, right? Not in Florida, at least. I don't know how it is <laughs> in the rest of the world, but uh, here yeah. blinkers are optional, apparently. Um, the joke is made oftentimes that they ran out of their blinker fluid, so there obviously is no blinker fluid. I have to explain that joke to... See, I over-explained the joke, and now it's dead. So there you go. Um, so anyway, welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm Josh Cannon. Uh, my uh, week, my past two weeks have been literally, I feel Hectic. like, yeah, I feel like I'm some, like, um, I feel like how, like, these pop stars must feel when, like, every day they got some bullshit. Justin they, Bieber? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How, like, every day they got some bullshit they got to do that they don't want to do. Um, like, they have to do this, they have to do that, and they literally just have no time to do anything, like, for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, well, Josh, maybe that's called being an adult and not necessarily a pop star, and what a stupid example you used. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough, but... However, yeah, that is how it fe that's been feeling the last two weeks. Like, literally every single day... It's like, you can just name a day. Oh, on that day, I have to meet up with a bride before um, uh, the wedding that I have, because I have three weddings in March, and then after that, I got to go by the office, and after that, I have my gig, and then after that, I got to blah, 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 and on top of that, I'm moving, which I'm not going to be able to move into my new house until Sunday, because I have all mm -hmm. these gigs, and I just, I'm not going to have the time to, to do it. You need a, you need at least a full day or two to move all your shit from one place to another place, and you can't really do it if you have this interruption at night. Uh, of a gig, so I'm just gonna have to wait until Sunday to be fully moved. 
which is fine, you know, whatever. Good things come to those who wait, uh, etc. I'm very stoked on the new place. I will be making a video of that. Um, oh, by the way, speaking of weddings, if you're ever in Hawaii and you need a good wedding planner, make sure you contact Ramey Burgess, foot. Uh, she's a wedding planner there. And uh, I think I, we, I was ta ta talking about weddings last week, and she's on our um, uh, page, our, our fan page or whatever. She was like, why didn't you give me a shout out? So I was like, my bad, I forgot. Uh, so yeah, if you're ever in the Hawaii area... <laughs> and if you need any graphic design done, make sure to contact Thomas Hatfield. <laughs> yeah, Thomas Hatfield's been doing a bang-up fucking job on the uh, on and the. And thanks, Thomas, for uh, the sighting stuff. I, I need to get on that podcast. But... Oh, did he send it to you? Yeah. Yep. yep. Bunch of inside talk here that none of you know anything what we're talking about. But uh, anyway, that's cool. Um, well, it's because I might as well announce it here. Uh, if you guys enjoy... Mike is gay. <laughs> And there it is. That's the announcement. No, no, that's not the announcement. Oh, uh, um, The announcement is uh, I want to start a separate podcast on my own about the show Sightings, and I'm calling it Sightings Cast, and I'll probably post uh, episodes of it on my YouTube channel. And um, originally I was going to think about doing something fancy with it, with footage and stuff, and then I did some research and saw that some people – they had channels taken down for having sightings videos on there, so I was like, "Eh, I'll be, I'll be safe. Rather be safe than sorry with it." So I'll probably do more of a like what we do here, where I give we we talk about a certain segment and so on. So my plan on that show is to actually go in and go from episode one onward and just kind of do overviews of each episode of the show that I can find. And uh, discuss the cases that are uh, shown on that particular episode. So um, if you're a fan of the paranormal and stuff like that, and you like the ghosts and UFO segments we do on this show, uh, I would definitely uh, recommend you uh, keep an eye and an ear out for Sightings Cast. I'll probably try to uh, get the first episode of that up sometime this week. Wow, so, um, Mike doing a separate podcast about uh, ghosts and aliens, things that I'm super interested in, and not asking me to be a part of it. Dick! <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I just thought you were really busy. So no, I, was I am. Like, I didn't I, wanna, no, yeah, there's I no didn't way. I want to like, put, put like a whole nother podcast. Yeah, you know? I couldn't do it. I, 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 I'm going to save certain sighting segments, though, for this show, folks. So, that's cool. You know, and, you know, so when I get to one what, what I, that I think is like really good, then maybe I'll just do like a brief thoughts on in my podcast, but then I'll also, you know, go on and because something like the Heartland Ghost, that's like a multi, like that was on multiple different episodes of the show. So, um, yeah, yeah, I've actually been so, wanting to do a music podcast with my friend Tom and then also your, your friend who I guess subbed me, Steven. I think that'd be cool too, but there, yeah. there, there's just no way. I, I just, I don't have the time. There's no way I could do another podcast uh, on top of everything. I haven't put out a new YouTube video in over a week. Uh, there's no way I'm going to even be able to put out a new YouTube video anytime soon. My music's been put on hold. Everything's been put on hold with the move and the weddings and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, let's get, go ahead and get these plugs out of the way. If you want to become a fan of our Facebook page, it's facebook.com slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. We also, in addition to that, have a group, uh, and it's also called Uncovering Unexplained uh, Mysteries. Uh, now, the group is a lot more interactive as far as, like, you can actually go in there and chat and kind of shoot the shit with other fans of uh, the show and uh, our podcast, and we're very involved in that group as well. 
Um, either page is cool. I mean, there's cool stuff going on on both of them. But uh, I would say the group is is uh, a little bit more yeah, interactive. I'd say that's the place to be. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Also, if you want to support us on Patreon, which we got a few more supporters here, um, and I will name them now as I'm stalling. Um, it's uh, patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. There's a bunch of uh, various perks and stuff there. And uh, I'll go ahead and get a shout out to uh, Eric Brown and Allison Stevens. Welcome aboard. Thank you so much for your pledges. Thank that you. Means the yeah, world. Really, to yeah, us. means the world to us. Very, very awesome. Thanks. Now Mike can uh, buy a cheeseburger for his. Because uh, <laughs> I mean, apparently he's 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 uh, he's poor, folks. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna skirt around the issue. Mike is poor. <laughs> He's doing this podcast under an overpass. That's why you might hear the occasional like car drive by. Oh my god, I'm yeah. not that. I'm not that poor. Um, my parents are pretty well off. They're not like super super rich, but we're we're in pretty good shape. I never really have to worry about food. My mom takes care of that, and I get a little bit of income from YouTube and. Uh, and thankfully, you know, from you guys, you patrons, and that's really, I really appreciate that. That's been helping me be able to get all this stuff to make my mic sound better. Yeah, for you guys, thank God, right? Because go listen. I mean, go listen to the first like what six episodes, and it's like absolute garbage. But that's because of the call graph program we were using. But then yeah. after that, all of a sudden, Josh sounds really great, but Mike still sounds cell phone quality. And now I don't know. I mean, I sound a little better because my mic's better but you're 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 it's definitely doesn't sound like we are across the united states from each other no no so that's cool all right let's and get... also i figured out how to speak into the thing oh properly so that helps let's too. not even get it. i don't you know what i don't even want to bring that up just for your sake because i don't want people roasting you on that so i'm just not even going to bring up how you're using go ahead and roast me it's fine <laughs> I, I roasted myself multiple times okay so it's just <laughs> Mike got this new microphone, right? To, to I had it turned around, spun around, and I was speaking into like the top or the side of it. So I was thinking it was like those regular whatever mics that people use. He was at... he was using it like a dynamic mic, which would be found on stage. At, yeah, you know, you know, he was speaking so, into the top of it. But th- these dumbass. are for radio. <laughs> where condenser mics are used, which you, you speak into the side of those, and you have to speak oh, yeah. into the cer- a certain side too. You can't just speak into any side of it. And Mike was uh-huh. speaking into the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just as an audio guy, that just makes me laugh more. Other people are probably like, I don't, I don't see what's so funny about that. But I don't know. For me, that's just that's hilarious. No, um, I, I see it pretty funny because I just, I, <laughs> I guess I saw all these shows and all how they spoke into mics, and I guess subconsciously, you know, I thought that's the way you do it. And then when I got this new uh, windscreen, which is in the foam thing, then I would, then I realized, oh, and then I put it on the stand, and then I'm like, that doesn't look right. That doesn't look like the th- pictures I've seen that people have of these. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, okay, that's why. You know, guys, I like <laughs> this show, but like when the hosts go off on this chit chat, it's like I just gotta stop listening because <laughs> just get to the story already. Fine. Uh, that's exactly what we're gonna do. Uh, we have the first story here is from season one. Yes, this was actually aired out of order on Amazon because they split up the uh, Halloween special into 
multiple different parts. So they would take one segment from the Halloween special and they'd shove it in some other episode. That sounds hot. Uh, because apparently they didn't air the Tallman House uh, segment on Amazon for some reason, which I, I don't understand. Maybe they're saving it for later. I don't know. Maybe the Tallmans uh, took umbrage or had an issue uh, with the segment or something. It sounds like there might be because they're. I don't know why. Because from what we've learned, there's something wrong with the way that they portrayed it. That it wasn't the bunk bed that did all that or whatever. So. Yeah, I don't know why. Because everyone from the show is dead. From what we've been learning. I mean, everybody. Everybody is just just the Jonestown massacre. Like, just like, everyone's dead. You're dead, and you're dead, and, and you're, you're dead. dead. Everybody's dead. Everybody's dead. Everybody's dead from Unsolved Mysteries. So just know that anytime you're watching a segment, just know that person is dead. Nine so, times out of ten. It's a dead men's party. Pretty much. <laughs> you know, I was in contact. Man, that was like the most, uh, bi- that was the biggest tease of all time. I was so close to getting an interview with Tiffany Tallman, the daughter, yeah. and they just flaked out on me and they just stopped yeah. returning my emails. And maybe there is some kind of legal thing going on with that. Or maybe yeah. they were wanting money. I don't know what they were wanting. Yeah. They, you know, at first he was really hyped and, and excited to talk. Um, there was a few times where he wanted to just me and him talk and I'm thinking like, I'm not really particularly interested in talking to you, no offense, but (laughs) your wife is the one that all this happened to. Why the hell am I talking? Why would I want to talk to you? Um, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking like, why does he want to talk to just me? It's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, they ended up dropping off and I've emailed them even recently. I haven't heard anything back cause I, I like, I love getting guests on here, man. I would love to get another person from the show on here. It's been a, been a minute, you know, we kind of spoiled you guys with Don Devereaux and, um, uh, O'Brien, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, director of photography. Yeah. Um, so Anyway, um, let's get into this segment here. It's called Tatum's Ghost. This was on the Ultimate Collection on the Ghosts uh, category. Uh, This is a segment that I have been aware of for a really long time. Um, The thing that sticks out to me about this segment is it's got heart out the ass. Now, that sounds sounds really kind of like a double entendre or something, but... (laughs) I mean this this segment has so much heart to it. Um these this old couple, man, like when They're you, the epitome of sweet. They're the epitome of of sweet and they're the epitome of like what a long like loving marriage kind of looks like cuz you can just tell from just this segment that these these two people are so in love with each other and even though it's about a ghost, like just their chemistry on screen uh was conveyed so perfectly that I don't know like I had forgotten about this segment and then I saw it again on the uh, Amazon Prime episode so I definitely want to talk about it Um, Jim and Kay Tatum were sober reliable people Jim was a career army officer and Kay was an accountant but in their new home they've experienced unexplained sounds and objects that for no apparent reason move or make noise. Uh, experts call this poltergeist activity, but others believe these events may be caused by psychokinesis, a hidden psychic power that allows objects to be moved with the power of the mind through space. Like physical space, not outer space. Could it be that Jim and Kay Tatum caused their own hauntings? That is the question that is posed before we dive into the uh, reenactment here. Which, 
the reenactment opens really nicely. It cuts to a really nice upper class looking neighborhood um, where Jim and Kay Tatum to pl- uh, plan to spend their golden years. Uh, that is until all of the unusual events that forced Jim and Kay to put their house up for sale. Very similar they, to the Black Hope curse. Yeah. With- they also don't show the house, if I remember correctly, because they didn't want to show the house, but they were able to shoot inside of the house. Yeah, it was, for this, it was for this reason they would not let the film crew of Unsolved Mysteries film the outside of the house because they were trying to sell the motherfucker. Yeah. But they did let them film the inside of the house, which to me is kind of like, it's kind of like pointless if you're not even, because yeah. it's like <laughs> anybody who watches the show, it's like, wait a second, that staircase looks really familiar. Hey, this yeah. is that old people house that was haunted. I'm not buying this. You know, it's like, might as well show the outside at that point if you're going to show yeah. the inside. I mean, yeah, it was kind of pointless. Um, uh, But uh, this is another thing that I'll get to a little, bo- little bit more later on, but, like, one thing that I never really realized about Unsolved Mystery, and this is kind of a durr moment, Unsolved Mysteries shot like ninety five percent of everything they did on location or in an in an actual house. There were no sets, hardly ever. There were either location shootings or it was in the actual house that it happened or a similar house. But it was an actual yeah. house though. It wasn't a set or anything like that. And it just it gave it such a more realistic feel and, and it gave it, it authenticity. Yeah, and it's. Anyway, there's there's so many intangibles to why this show worked as good as it did, and that's one of them that I personally noticed. Because as I'm watching this this segment, I'm realizing, holy shit, they're actually inside these people's houses. And this is one of the rare segments where the actual um, victims, or whatever you want to call them, they actually portrayed themselves... Witnesses. In, witnesses. Yeah. They portrayed themselves in the reenactment, so it's actually Jim and Kay in the reenactment, and they didn't do a bad job at all. So that was pretty cool. Um. So one night in January of 1986, Kay Tatum woke from a restless night's sleep, not wanting to disturb her husband. She left her bedroom. She then sensed a strange presence. Kay had seen a glimpse of a man walking past the open doorway to their bathroom. According to Kay, at first I thought it was my husband, and I went into his bedroom, and my husband was in the bed, so I thought we had a burglar. Jim searched the house. According to Kay, it was definitely a man. He was swinging his arms, and he was walking briskly, and he walked right past me. And according to Jim, he says, there was no sign of anyone in the house. I figured Kay had been using her overactive imagination. As the night passed and it drew into dawn, Kay Tatum lay awake and wondered, She said, I had fear and was perplexed by what happened. And as I started thinking about it, I noticed I did not hear any sound as he walked past me. And I'm still unable to figure out why it happened. The way that they showed uh, the ghost was definitely unique because this is the first season. So it seems like they hadn't really figured out how to show like, well, they did show that in the Queen Mary ghost thing. But apparently it seemed like they just didn't want to make it look spectral or uh, like a regular ghost. So they just had it kind of like shot in shadows. This guy has a lot of dark around him. And then he's just walking. Which is so far, just a nor- far just, more effective to me. Yeah, it was actually. It was really eerie. Because it was just like a normal, it was just a regular flesh and blood guy just walking. 
by the doorway. So after Kay's first experience, two months passed without incident until one day Jim was fixing a ladder that led up to the attic when his work was interrupted by Kay telling him that dinner was ready. Jim says, I specifically unplugged the drill because it's a very old drill and I figured it wouldn't be safe to leave it unplugged or to leave it plugged in rather. So after dinner, Jim wanted to watch a movie, so I went upstairs, according to Kay. One hour later, Kay heard the sound of the drill outside of her room. Kay thought that Jim was teasing her about hearing the sound of a ghost, so eventually she got out of bed and went into the hallway. It was empty, and the drill was unplugged. According to Kay, I was really frightened. I reached down and touched the drill, and it was ice cold. It had not been turned on. According to Jim, I was very confused. I knew that something had happened because Kay is a very level-headed person and she was truly frightened. These incidents continued and one night Kay heard the sounds of coins falling in this little basket thing, but she was all alone. Another night Kay was cooking and felt two tugs in the back of her blouse. Now I also felt like how that was shot in the reenactment looked really good as well, which obviously isn't. That's not a hard practical effect to accomplish, but it looked like, oh, damn, you know, that was like a legit, like, tug, you know? Yeah. Um, after that incident, I knew he we had a problem in this house. I knew something was wrong. It's something we can't explain, but it's some, something is definitely going on. Now, now these are all... So, and who were they going to call? Not the Ghostbusters, because, you know, they're, 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 they're too busy. Q, so they call... Q William fucking Roll. Exactly. That's who they call. They call William Roll. William Roll being the German uh, psychologist, psychoanalyst, uh, part-time paranormal investigator. Uh, this guy, man, Unsolved Mysteries got some mileage out of this dude. He was on at least 50 segments, if I had to guesstimate. I mean, this guy, I mean, they used him a lot. Uh, and I recently learned after checking Wikipedia, he actually passed away in 2012. Big surprise, he's dead, but, I mean, you know, he contributed a lot to the show, and uh, he's very entertaining. He's got this very thick, he's kind of got this thick, like, scientific German accent, you know, I can't, like, almost can't even do it, because it's, like, it's very, like, upper crust uh, German, you know. The question comes up, why is this family having these experiences? Is there some sort of ghost that comes back to haunt them for some unknown reason? What's taking place? A lot of people have these experiences. It's part of who we are as humans to have these so-called psychic experiences. Yeah, now one one thing you have to think about in this situation. The old people so far, the kind of quotes that they've made are kind of like, no no shit Sherlock statements. Like, something's yeah. going on here and we don't know what it is. It's like, yeah, no shit. But you have to remember that these people are probably in their 70s, at least. That's how they look like, at least in the late 60s, early 70s. You know, this was the 90s. These people were born in, like, the late 20s. 80s. Oh, late this 80s? Is, okay. This was 80, 88 or 89. Okay, so these people were born in the, the early teens to 20s in America when there was no thought of any of this kind of stuff going on you know UFOs hadn't even become a thing at that point so as far as the paranormal and ghosts and all that these people were not ready or willing to accept the possibility of anything like that they were trying to write it off in any way that they could there were no ghost shows on TV or at least probably none that they were watching at that point. I mean, maybe In Search of had covered something like that before, but 
I guess my point is is that this was a completely foreign thing that they were encountering that they didn't even know. Unless they read books on the subject, but if they didn't, then yeah, there really was not a lot of shows on television that focused on the paranormal. So William Roll believes that memories can be transferred to physical objects and that people can trigger memories in these objects. Um, according to Kay, the nature of this presence is like a teasing type nature. It's as if it's trying to tease us. In February, Jim finally had his first experience. It started with a small bell in the guest room. Jim had a habit of waking up hours before Kay, and Kay would ring the bell if she needed Jim upstairs. Now, ladies, that's what years of marriage done right will yield ya. This man, yeah. this man is trained like a dog to come up at her every <laughs> beck and call. Kay must be either really throwing it down in the sack, or she makes a mean pecan pie. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You, or they're just, they're just really... They love each other, so yeah. you know they just make uh, compromises for one another and and work well with each other. I mean, that's that's the sign. That's a sign of a great relationship, because that's what I think. A rela- it's called a relationship for a reason. It's not called a sex ship. If all you have is a good lay between you two, I mean, that's only going to last so long. And if you don't have anything else in common, and you don't, you you don't really truly compromise for one another very often, then that's not really a relationship. And, and I, I think that's kind of, there's, that's why a lot of people get divorced. <laughs> you know, they don't really, it's not really the right match for them. Mike, you sounded like a kinder, gentler Dr. Ruth just then. <laughs> so, you know, Jim starts making his way upstairs every time he hears this bell ring. So he's, according to Jim, I'd grown used to climbing the stairs after hearing the bell. And I did so, but it wasn't Kay. She was asleep. So I went in and looked at the bell, and it was there, and I thought, obviously, I had heard something else other than the bell. After the third time this happened, the couple tried to outsmart the entity, and they came up with a signal. Kay would ring the bell three times, and that way Jim would know it was really her ringing it. Now, they played themselves in this reenactment at this particular part again, and they're really sweet because, you know, she's like, uh, uh, he's like, I'll ring the bell three times, and then I'll come up there. And she's like, okay, that works. And it's just this, oh, they're so sweet, yeah. you know? Like, oh, no, I got a soft side to me for, for that kind of shit. Like, that was just sweet. But it gets even sweeter. Um, so they had the signal, right, three times. Then Jim says again, after the bell rang three times, I knew it was Kay, but I went upstairs and she was sound asleep, and the bell was in the other room where it stays. I went and looked at it, and turned back and walked out the door, and the thing rang again. Then I began to see how Kay felt. I was frightened. The hair stood up on the back of my neck, and I told Kay, no more bell. I'm not going to answer that bell anymore, and that bell has not rung ever since. And then he pauses. Then he, then he pauses yeah. and he kind of sits up in his chair in the interview, and 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 Kay goes. And he, he gets choked up. Yeah. He gets visibly choked up when he's saying when he's recounting the events that he experienced. And Kay's like, "Are you okay? You know, are you okay, honey?" She's like, "Are you upset?" She's like, "I've never seen him like this." Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and dude, at that moment, I was like, "Tearjerker, good lord!" Like they're <laughs> so in love, and and like then yeah. she hugs him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, normally Unsolved Mysteries probably would have edited that out. But they knew 
that that was that was that was a good moment. They knew that was a rare moment that of of like heartfelt uh, sincerity. And then because, they cut back to William Roll. Well, before that yeah. though, I want to just make uh. a point. The old unsolved mysteries had heart. Unlike the fucking revamps <laughs> that would have edited that shit out and put some Nickelback guitar solo in there instead. <laughs> God, the God the I've revamp never seen sucks. You like that before? Yeah. So so. And then, like, have sound effects, like, you know. So in this delicious mwah, meatball, mwah, garlic bread, delicious, this Unsolved Mysteries stew that we have going on here, this already perfect episode, Unsolved Mysteries has just played on your heartstrings and got you all soft and mushy. Then they cut in cold, clinical German William Roll to break shit down, son. He's going to come in here, and it's like, all right, you, you know, you're feeling mushy, but now here's this, like, German... Yeah, like, I actually got the whole quote. He's like, there are a number of haunting cases that are not very striking, not very strong, but where the phenomenon is, nevertheless, quite disturbing to the family. It might be a bell ringing, uh, a fleeting gim- glimpse of an apparition. The events are trivial, but they're deeply upsetting to the family because they don't fit into the picture that most of us have of the world. And that image of the physical world, particularly of our home, is intricately related to who we picture ourselves as being. Right, and it's kind of like what I was saying earlier. These people, and, and to quote Jim here, he goes, the story of the bell gets me emotional because this is a real turning point in my life. I knew then that there are things that are unexplained. Now, you can be a skeptic. You cannot believe this stuff. And that's I've seen some people say, like I've seen some people on message boards say it's one of the worst segments because they think, oh, it's just this old couple who's clearly just over-exaggerating things that happened and so on. No, there's authentic. This this episode screams authenticity to me. Um, there's n- they are so old. There's nothing for them to gain. They were, dude. The the you would have to be a, such a seasoned actor to pull off how this old man Jim how he came off in the interviews and how he's just so damn genuine. There's just no doubt yeah. in my mind that these people were being we're experiencing some unexplained stuff. And it's like what William Rowell said, anything, you know, to paraphrase, anything that kind of breaks the schema of your, of how the world around you works, where all of a sudden things that shouldn't happen, that don't happen, happen. It's very upsetting because you have to reevaluate your whole idea of, of your perception of the world around you. And that was what happened to these people. So I understand why the guy got upset about it, you know, because he's probably a problem solver. He's probably the guy who, you know, if there's a problem, then there's a definite solution. And now he's having to deal with something's happening uh, specifically to my wife and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, and I don't know why it's happening and I don't know what's causing it. So the Tatums feel that their home is no longer their own. They've decided to move, leaving the entity, if that indeed is what it is, to live in the house alone. It was a, it was a, it was a great segment. It was short too. Yeah. I mean, it was it was it was like a a B twelve 
shot of Unsolved Mysteries goodness right in your ass if that's what you uh, if, <laughs> if you don't want to sit through a whole Martin Luther King length uh, Unsolved segment and you want a much shorter digestible chunklet of something good I highly recommend the Tatum House ghost segment it's, very it's a good. good it's a good thirst quencher yes for sure the next segment is one that I handpicked this is one that I saw I believe it's on season 8 and uh, which if they're going if if you'll see in what like October or <laughs> September or something if we're going by uh, the uh, schedule that FilmRise has for uh, the Unsolved Mystery segments, um, the, the Robert Stack episodes on Amazon, but you know hey, the wait will be worth it. But anyway, um, this is a case that I d- I decided to talk about not only because I think it's actually pretty great but also it has a good connection to a really popular big film uh, a few good men which i yeah. have seen by the way thank you very much <laughs> i know i know thank you you're too kind you're too kind thank you. i know uh I, I i'm so nervous now i don't know who to thank i, I should have been prepared uh, i want to thank my uh, p- publisher and uh, all you anyway sorry you want to be all like, uh, you like me. <laughs> you, you really, really like me. Where did that come from anyway? That That's whole... a Sally Fields uh, Oscar spe- acceptance speech. Oh, it really? Is that where that whole... Uh, I, I hate calling it a meme because it's, it's not a well, meme. Well, the meme we have now is from the Oscars this year where they messed up and said, the winner for best picture... La La Land. They're like, yay! And they're like, and this guy comes in and he's like, no, no, Moonlight, Moonlight. You're the winner. Moonlight is the winner. No, this is not a joke. Come on up. And he pulls out the card. He's like, Moonlight, and puts it right in front of the camera. <laughs> Was that like a GIF or something? That sounds kind of long. They actually have like a uh, you know footage of it as well. Um, it, it was it was aired live to air, it was uh, aired live yeah and it, it's a total disaster oh yeah I saw Warren, that yeah Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway were trying to announce who it was they had the wrong they had a duplicate of the best actress nominee and then yeah it was it was bad so anyway this case is uh, the disappearance and murder of David Cox which is a pretty unfortunate last name. Yes, we're talking about Cox, folks. Dewey Cox. Walk hard. <laughs> uh, very underrated movie. Uh, so audiences lined up to see Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise in the hit movie A Few Good Men. It's where you have the whole thing where it's like Tom Cruise is all like, I want the truth. It's like, you can't handle the truth. Yeah. Uh, so Great Jack Nicholson but, performance. And Tom Cruise. Yes. But many were aware that it was based on a – not many were aware that it was based on a true story. I was one of them. Like I, I saw this. I was like, oh, it was based on a true story? I had no idea. One that may have led to the murder of a courageous former Marine. David Cox joined the Marine Corps straight out of high school and was stationed at the United States Naval Base uh, in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. One day while on duty, David became aware of a problem. Another platoon member, PFC William Alvarado, had written to a senator complaining about Marine misconduct. David's former squad leader, David uh, Christopher Valdez, explains how Alvarado was targeted for a code red or hazing. 
because apparently that's what was going on. They were hazing a bunch of people. We didn't actually decide to have a code read for Alvarado on our own. Our platoon commander had given us an implied order that if we were good Marines, something should happen. Saturday night, we went into Alvarado's room. We blindfolded him and gagged him and then dragged him off his bed. Dave Cox started shaving his head, and within five minutes, he had stopped struggling. First off, that's absolute bullshit. I, I never really stood up for or supported this hazing shit in any instance, whether it's in college or in the military. It's stupid. Now, let me just get something straight just for my own understanding here. Hazing is basically when people, like, torture you to see if you're man enough or or if you're yeah. if you've got the fortitude to to make your way into their their exclusive club that's essentially yeah. what hazing is right yeah okay so they were hazing the but this was not some initiation process this was more of a bullying because yeah. he was he was you know he was basically snitching so david cox convinced his platoon to stop the hazing and But when they removed the gag and untied Alvarado, he was unconscious. Alvarado was rushed to the hospital. He recovered, but his 10 attackers, including David Cox, were brought up on charges. Cox was going to be charged with attempted murder, but he said he was just following orders. Uh, Don uh, Marcari was appointed to defend Cox. He's quoted here. I told David that this was a defense, obedience to orders, and that had not been successful at Nuremberg, had not been successful for Lieutenant Cowley at My Lie. And plus, we had a colonel denying he ever gave an order. So that's another thing that's just awful, the, the stuff that happened at My Lai in, in Vietnam. Um, and there were a lot of soldiers that did that kind of stuff, that killed innocent people, innocent Vietnamese, uh, soldiers who even shot their own men. But that not everyone who went to Vietnam did that. And, and I think it definitely wasn't fair what a lot of the American public did, you know, did and said when a lot of our soldiers came back, you know, saying things like baby killer and all of this and just assuming that because there were actual cases of real soldiers who've done all that horrible stuff, that that meant that all of the soldiers did that or took part in that. I can't even imagine the mindset of of being a young person during the time of the goings on. Uh, of Vietnam. Now, I could imagine if I had been, though, living here in Jacksonville in the South, I'm guessing we would have been what Nixon called the, uh, or or was it Nixon or LBJ, what call, he called the silent majority who actually supported the war. And I, I'm, I imagine I'd be surrounded by a bunch of pro-Vietnam uh, people yeah. here in the South. So I could have Imagine my parents at the time would be like, oh, yeah, no, that's, that's probably a good thing. I don't really know what we're doing or why, but uh, probably a good idea. I don't know. I'll tell you what. <laughs> There's a reason why uh, they call Vietnam in a lot of ways. It's a war that there was no really there was no victor. It, it was just it's just a very. And I love how they're like, there won't be another Vietnam. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Look what's happening right now. Um, but anyway, if you want to see what it's like to be, you know, a young teen or a young man uh, being enlisted in Vietnam, definitely check out films like uh, Born on Fourth of July, which, another Tom Cruise film, which has one of his best performances. I haven't seen. I even that might one yet. say I, I even might say it's his best. Um, as Ron Kovic, 
and other films as well, like Hamburger Hill. Mm, and Platoon's yummy. a good one. Uh, Platoon's a good one, too. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the colonel's like, you know, this is not a good defense. And so David claimed the Code Red started with implied orders from his superior officers. For Don Macari, that meant an even more uphill battle, battle that was ahead. And he's quoted again here. He, we had the additional burden of now saying he was following an implied order. And it's a very difficult case to win. And I told David that. He decided he wanted to fight it because he believed in his heart that he didn't do anything wrong. At his trial, David was convicted of simple assault. He was sentenced to time already served in the brig. He then completed his duty and received an honorable discharge. He returned to civilian life in his hometown near Boston. Years later, A Few Good Men was released in theaters. David felt that the filmmakers had stolen his story. David Cox's girlfriend, Elaine Tinsley, recalls at the time, he was stunned. Here was this movie company that was making tons of money off his story, and if it weren't for him, the story would have never existed in the first place. David and some of the other Marines involved in the Code Red sued the movie production company. I think it was Sony or Columbia TriStar that released the film, remember correctly. And while they waited for a ruling, David spoke out about his case on radio talk shows. And I think that might be what ended up getting him killed. So by January 1994, David was living with Elaine and hoping his temporary job with UPS would become permanent. The night before he was supposed to get the good news, David's back was giving him problems, so he spent the night on the couch. The next morning, Elaine left at about 8.30 and then was called home about noon. David didn't answer, but there was a message for him on the machine. UPS wanted to hire him. Elaine was happy that David would be getting his wish. I was like, cool, Dave's going to get his job and he's going to be so excited. And then I get called back again at then I called back again at 1 o'clock to check the messages, and that message was still there. And the UPS guy had called again, too, which is very suspicious. At 5.30, Elaine returned home. When I went and came to the house that night after work, I realized right away that the doors to all the rooms were open, and our rabbit, who we usually just kept in the kitchen, was hopping all over the place. David's truck was still in the driveway, the keys in the ignition. His uncashed paycheck was on the dashboard and his 9mm gun was in his glove box. But David was gone. Elaine didn't know what to make of the situation. As the days went on, there was no news from him. We checked his bank account. There was no activity on his bank account. You start to believe that, you know, maybe something did happen. But why? The answer came with the spring thaw. The body of David Cox was discovered on the banks of a river in Medfield, Massachusetts, about five miles from his apartment. Sergeant Kevin Shea of the Massachusetts State Police describes the manner of death. He was shot, according to me, four times, once at the base of the rear of the neck and three times in the left side torso area. It was clear that the robbery, that robbery was not the motive. David's cash and his credit cards were still in his wallet, and police ruled out a random attack. That's like execution style. In a, in a, way, in a way, you know, all these shot in the head, the base of the neck, times, yeah. Base of the neck. So Sergeant Shea believes David left home with someone he knew. It's our belief that he got in the car willingly, that he knew who was coming to pick him up, and that he went to this area, he walked into the woods of this person, and I think that if it was somebody that was just holding a gun on him or something like that, that they would do it within the first 30 or 40 yards into the woods. David was found almost three quarters to a mile walk into the woods. David's attorney, Donald Mercari, he believes that the murder was somehow related to the military. I don't know why David was killed. 
I personally believe it had something to do with the military. He was taken out of his house without signs of a struggle. He was wearing his Marine Corps jacket, which he never wore. He was found between two hunting ranges where gunshots would not be unusual, and he was murdered execution style. But what was the motive? After release of A Few Good Men, David gave an interview on the radio. He was quite vocal about his story and the U.S. activities in Cuba. David's mother worried that he had been too outspoken. After I'd heard the interview on the radio, I spoke to him and I said, I don't like what you're doing. I think what you're doing is dangerous. And I think he felt too far free. I think he felt far too free to just just speak his mind. And David's brother, Steve, he has a different theory suggesting another possible scenario. He thought that perhaps the murder was connected to David's job at UPS. A couple of months before Dave disappeared, he had mentioned to me that he'd come upon a supervisor and one of the drivers involved some, in some type of activity and what he believed was theft. According to Sergeant Kevin Shea, nothing has been ruled out and the investigation is still open. It'll remain open until we solve it. Again, we'll follow any leads that come through vigorously and do that until it is solved. And it's still unsolved to this day. Well, if it's still unsolved to this day, then... Uh... That's, I don't think it's the UPS thing. Yeah, I don't think. no. That, if it's still unsolved to this to this day, that that sounds more to me of a uh, professional government kind of cover up thing. Because it, you know, they're not gonna want it to be solved if it's no. not solved yet. You know, it, and it, so I think I I do think that the military was involved here because he was going out on. Are you moving your mic around or something? Yeah, sorry. I was tightening. I was tightening it to get it at a different angle. I didn't think it'd be as loud and squeaky as it was. Sorry about that, everybody. I'm not editing uh, that out. Uh, so anyway, I, I think that military was involved. They silenced him because he was blabbing on the radio, and they definitely don't want people to hear about probably what was top secret. Uh, activities that were going on in Cuba. Yeah, which honestly, that was dumb on his on his that end. That was really stupid because, on his part. Because it's like, dude, stick to your agenda, man. Like you're 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 trying to get royalties or whatever you're trying to get residuals. You're trying to get from this movie for your story. That's it. Why you got to go into all this other, you know? Well, what's really going on is this and that and blah blah blah. It's Why like you have to keep the hornet's nest. Yeah, and that's what you're doing. You're just provoking the U.S. government. Who? as we've seen in history, does not mind whatsoever bumping people off if it's convenient for them Look, for their the purposes. Reporters, the reporters that we've covered on this uh, podcast that were also on the show, you know, who got right. murdered. Don Devereaux, he was, his life was threatened and it, 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 it wasn't necessarily tied in with the U.S. government. Castellero. Well, Castellero too. It's kind of one of those things to where like, the government gets in bed with these shady characters and much like the code red it's like the government basically says to these shady characters i'm not telling you to kill them but a good shady character would do something you know it's almost like uh you know it, it, it's like they try to keep their nose clean as much as possible but it's like yeah dude you know you're you're going out and running your mouth and the disc jockeys are more than happy to have you on their show cuz it's it's a ratings feast for them yeah, but personally, you are fucking yourself beyond belief, tampering in matters of um, national security, possibly depending on what's going on, uh, secrecy. Um, 
I mean, is, is that really like the right thing to do for your country, you know, going out and, and I don't know what he leaked. I don't know what he said, but I mean, I feel like if he had just stuck to his agenda of being like, I think it's messed up that they stole my story and, you know, I should get some kind of compensation for this. That would have been fine. And he probably would be alive to this day, but well, and he was on unsolved mysteries, which we've learned kills people. Um, just kidding, <laughs> by the way, just kidding before anybody goes after me for uh, slander. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, 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 I mean, fucking the, the lead singer of Rage Against Machine, that band Rage Against Machine, there was like rumors that he was starting to get government like vans following him and that weird stuff was starting to happen to him. Uh, because of he, uh, you know, the Rage Against Machine is a very political like rock band, like rap rock or whatever, but not, you know, corny rap rock like Limp Bizkit. It was actually like a lot of the stuff they were talking about were like injustices, like say to like having to do with the Mexican people and stuff like that, and the taking of the land and all that. And I'm not saying whether I agree with it or disagree with it before you run to the, your uh, iTunes reviews board to slander me or whatever. But, uh, you know, he was very, very political and it got pretty deep with the stuff he was talking about and he started getting threats. Bob Marley, there's a, a um, conspiracy theory about him that the government gave him cancer to shut him up because he was starting to get very vocal about politics and all that. And as, mm-hmm. as you'll remember from uh, a long time ago when we covered the... Um, the UFOs in uh, Withville, oh, Kentucky. Tom DeLong. Yeah, Tom. Was it Tom DeLong? No, not Tom. De- not Tom DeLong. The Withville, Kentucky UFOs, where the radio yeah. DJ uh, got a threatening phone call from somebody who used to work for the government, and he said they'll get you and they'll make it look like an accident. They they can yeah. they can put it on your doorknobs. Uh, mm-hmm. They can get you with the 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 bio the biological and the chemical kind of uh, germ warfare. They can make it look like an accident. You know. Don Devereaux, in the interview I had with him, he was talking about how the people who were threatening his life were saying, you know, the information he was getting is that they were going to make it look like an accident. They'd make it look like uh, the car accidentally, there was a hit and run thing or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, it's, it's so much more than just, uh someone going after you with a black trench coat and shooting you with a gun. It's like, no, they have a lot more sophisticated ways to get their purposes accomplished than just yeah. shooting you point blank. And I mean, also, I mean, the whole thing, I mean, his attorney says it quite well. I mean, the whole thing, he was wearing his Marine Corps jacket. He knows him really well because he's his, he is his attorney. He doesn't wear it that much. So why would he be wearing that? Maybe it's a whole military thing. Maybe he realized maybe this is a kind of unwritten rule in the military. Uh, I fucked up. I, 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 I blabbed. I talked about someone wasn't supposed to. Here comes the guy who knocks on your door and is like, all right, put on the jacket. Let's go. Oh, that's creepy. That's a creepy thing. Yeah. yeah, that's what I, that's that's what I'm that's what I that's what I'm because that that came to my mind. And there are cases like that where there's like some unwritten rule kind of thing where, you know, they know oh, shit, like, if this happens, this is what's going to happen. Well, yeah, and any kind of fraternity like that, you know, like, whether it be gangs or, or, or the military or whatever, I mean, you know, the, the, if you, <laughs> there's shit, like, if you're in a gang and you, you know, you're showing your colors or whatever, like, whether it be, like, a do-rag in your back pocket or whatever, and you let, yeah. that, you let that rag hit the ground, 
you got to get your ass beat now because you're not never supposed to let the your gang affiliation like your colors it's not supposed to touch the ground if yeah. you do then you you get an ass whooping so yeah. there's all kinds of stuff like that in these um these kind of very close knit um societies that uh average Americans don't really know about you know and and that's yeah. um it's it's both fascinating but it's scary too at the same time because it's like when you sign that's up. what really yeah that's what freaked me out about this one is the whole you know the guy in the jacket who leads him it leads him into the woods and there's a theory that he might have known the guy and that leads me to my kind of thing that maybe it was this kind of military thing that maybe this happens more than just this one time it's just this whole sort of thing where all right you know somebody talked all right you're gonna have to go take him out you gotta take a little walkie walk now and imagine if it was like his friend or somebody he knew personally. So. Yeah, I don't know. It is interesting, and it was a good movie. Uh, it's an interesting theory. Um, the movie was was uh, really good, and uh, I can't believe like the real life guy actually died too. Um, well, the, the guy who uh, who tried to stop the the Code Red thing. Um, I just thought about re- re- uh, Code Red Mountain Dew for some reason, the cherry flavor. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I- I'm I'm a bigger fan of Whiteout or uh, just regular Mountain Dew. I like Baja Blast. <laughs> I don't mind Baja Blast. That's that's pretty good too. You only get it at Taco Bell. Yeah, I was told. But now now you can get it in bottled form. Oh, can't. Oh, places. yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I heard that Baja Blast was because you know how Taco Bell has Powerade too on tap on the. Film. Yeah. I heard that it was just uh, Mountain Dew and uh, Powerade mixed together. That's how you get Baja <laughs> Blast. It makes sense because it kind of tastes like how that would probably taste. Yeah, um, I, I'm not a fan of Pitch Black. Um, I haven't I haven't had any of that shit because they're like it's syrup in a bottle, it's diabetes in a bottle. So I I I'd stay away from that and I stick to the. Fake. I'm 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 going with uh, iced tea, sweet iced tea from Gold Peak, or you know Mellow Yellow. Yeah, yeah. Mellow Yellow is really good. I give I'll give you that one. I actually like that more than Mountain Dew because it's just smoother. It's yeah, it's good. I, like I think I just like it by virtue of the fact that it's made by the Coca-Cola company and, and it's kind of got that like Coca-Cola type bite to yeah. it rather than Mountain Dew, which is a Pepsi product, which you can. Well, I don't know. It's I, don't, just... I don't know. I mean, I don't like Coke because it feels like I'm drinking battery acid. And that's what I meant with Mellow Yellow. It has a smoother and Mountain Dew does have that kind of it is it is a more acidic than than uh Mellow Yellow is. So it's a much smoother drink. It, you know, it doesn't burn as much or give me as much heartburn. You can't drink a cup of Coca-Cola without burning your mouth. You got a pansy mouth, boy. <laughs> no, it's not. What it is, it's like, it's, it's all these carbonation and stuff. Like, if something has too much carbonation, it just messes with my stomach. It doesn't matter what it is. Well, excuse me, Mikey Dainty Mouth can't handle a little can of soapy <laughs> pop. Ain't that there a goddamn thing? Uh, Are you afraid you're going to spill some on your dress there, <laughs> Tulip? Uh, better watch it or I'll, I'll make you spontaneously combust. Oh, anyway. we got a segue. All right, the next... Uh, the last uh, thing we're going to talk about on this show is something I've been wanting to talk about, and I did not know it was even on the show. Apparently it was. 
Um, and we might save that for a bonus segment someday down the road for you guys and gals. Um, spontaneous human combustion, SHC. Um, it's a term encompassing reported cases of, com- of the combustion of a living or very recently deceased human body without an apparent external source of ignition. In addition to reported cases, examples of the phenomenon appear in literature, and both types have been observed to share common characteristics regarding circumstances and remains of the victim. <gasps> oh, excuse me. Oh, my God, it's a sign. Oh, little hiccup there. It's a sign of, of, of SHC. <laughs> uh, forensic investigations have attempted to analyze reported instances of SHC and have resulted in hypotheses regarding potential causes and mechanisms, including victim behavior and habits, alcohol consumption and proximity to potential sources of ignition, as well as the behavior of fires that consume melted fats. Natural explanations, as well as unverified natural phenomenon, have been proposed to explain reports of SHC. Current scientific consensus is that most and perhaps all cases of SHC involve overlooked external sources of ignition. Regardless of whether or not there is a scientific explanation for spontaneous human combustion, it's always something that's really fascinated me. I first read about it in a book called Mysteries of the Unexplained by Time Life. And this is a really heavy book that was like way above my my reading level. Well, I mean, not really, because my reading level when I was a kid was in the adult range. So I, I, it was right at my reading level. But uh, but I remember reading that, and that's one that always stood out to me. I mean, just imagine that. Imagine just sitting down in your chair, and all of a sudden, just feel really warm and hot, and then boom. You're on fire, and just you spontaneously combust. I mean, that is just horrifying. So an article by L.A. Perry cited in 1823 uh, in the published book uh, Medical Jurisprudence, the fuck that is, um, which stated that commonalities among recorded cases of spontaneous human combustion include the following characteristics. One, the victims are chronic alcoholics. Makes sense. You know, alcohol is a... uh, it can be an accelerant if it's in yeah. strong enough proof uh, form, like Bacardi 151 or Everclear, as we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, they're usually elderly females. Uh, hot flashes, maybe, uh, with something <laughs> having to do with menopause. The hot flashes might have some kind of... Uh, that would be awful. The hot flash causes... <laughs> Well, it reminds me of that scene in Mrs. Doubtfire where she's like over the stove trying to yeah, cook. Yeah. And she's like, I've been a woman for a few days. I'm already having hot well, I have flashes. flashes. Her boobs uh, catch on fire. Um, uh, uh, number three, the body has not burned spontaneously, but some lighted substance has come into contact with it. So, so was that basically saying like it's almost as if the person is soaked in gasoline and they get near like a lighted source and it just catches them on fire? Like there's something yeah. about them? whatever category or number four the hands and feet usually fall off now this is pretty creepy i've actually seen some pictures of supposed spontaneous combustions and yes the feet and hands usually remain and everything else is just a black pile of ash very creepy number five the fire has caused very little damage to combustible things in contact with the body another weird thing that is seen um Unsolved Mysteries did do a segment on this. I do want to talk about it maybe as a bonus segment, as a follow-up, because there is a, 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 a segment 
or a part in in the segment where this one guy was actually on the crapper when he spontaneously combusts and it actually burned through the floor and they found his remains on the on the, in the basement from a hole that was made in the ceiling from the first floor Holy that he shit. was on. Yeah, the burning is always very localized. It's always in a, in in one, you know, small circumference, you know, it, do, it for whatever reason it doesn't set anything else on fire. And then finally, so, what did he have such bad gas that you know, I guess he came in contact with something well, that he, lit the He clearly he had some Indian food. I mean, that's pretty much <laughs> the answer to that. Um lit, lit the farts on fire and then it just engulfed him. Any, any theory is uh, viable <laughs> at this point. Um, and finally, number six, as far as uh, commonalities among uh, spontaneous human combustion victims, uh, the combustion of the body has left a residue of greasy and fetid ashes, very offensive in odor. Jesus. Feels like a scene from the game Resident Evil where you go into like the, a room and you, like, you go up to the pile of ashes and like that's the description. <laughs> kind of reminds me of or that. Or Silent Hill. Yeah, or Silent Hill. Take your pick. Um, alcoholism is a common theme in early spontaneous combustion literary references, in part because some Victorian-era physicians and writers believed spontaneous human combustion was the, re- was the result of alcoholism. So there actually was a forensic investigation that was done. There was It was an extensive two-year research project involving 30 historical cases of alleged SHC. It was conducted in 1984 by science investigator Joe Nickel and forensic analyst John F. Fisher. Their lengthy two-part report was published in the Journal of the International Association of Arson Investigators, as well as a part of a book. Nickel was written has written frequently on the subject, appeared on television documentaries, conducted additional research, and lectured at the New York State Academy of Fire Science at Montour Falls, New York, as a guest instructor. Nickel and Fisher's investigation, which looked at cases in the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries, showed that the burned bodies were near plausible sources for ignition. Candles, lamps, fireplaces, and so on. I mean, think about back then in the 18th, 19th centuries, I mean, they didn't really have a lot of light, you know, they didn't really have light switches, and they were using candles a lot, and lamps, in order to light up their rooms. Uh, so you're around a fire hazard <laughs> all the time, pretty much. So such sources were often omitted from published accounts of these incidents, presumably to deepen the aura of mystery uh, surrounding an apparently spontaneous death. The investigations also found that there was a correlation between alleged SHC deaths and the victim's intoxication or other forms of inca- incapacitation, which could conceivably have caused them to be careless and unable to respond properly to an accident. So you're so drunk that you got your long uh, clo- your clothes on that have like these long sleeves or whatever that are drooping down, and then you, I guess, get caught on fire by a candle. And you're so drunk that you're just like, uh, and then just light and fire. Uh, but I mean, the thing though is, is the whole, the hands and feet usually fall off. The, the fire has a little damp, done very little damage to combustible things in contact with the body. I mean, that's what kind of makes me, that puzzles me. That makes me scratch my head. And I'm like, I don't, and it was just like a normal, oh, caught on fire thing. It just, so 
where the destruction of the body was not particularly extensive, a primary source of combustible fuel plausibly could have been the victim's clothing or covering, such as a blanket or a comforter. However, where the destruction was extensive, additional fuel sources were involved, such as chair stuffing, floor coverings, the flooring itself, and the like. The investigators described how such materials helped retain melted fat to burn and destroy more of the body, yielding still more liquid... Ugh, God. Yeah, More liquefied Ugh. fat in a, a cyclic process known as the wick effect or the candle effect. Well, it makes sense. Um, well, you know they used to make uh, candles out of whale blubber, so fat yeah. is flammable. Mm-hmm. According to Nickel and Fisher's investigation, nearby objects went undamaged because fire tends to burn upward, and it burns laterally with some difficulty. That's true. I've burned enough things to know that. I used to be a pyro when I was younger. Played with gasoline. Put styrofoam into uh, Don't gasoline. Don't play with matches. <laughs> Folks, did you know if you ever want a fun hobby, if you uh, take a coffee can, a, a metal coffee can, fill it a certain amount of ways with gasoline and keep stuffing styrofoam into it, it dissolves into the gasoline. But if you stick enough styrofoam in there, it'll make a paste, and that's called napalm. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> um the fires. I know about that. I didn't know know that about you, Josh. That's... <laughs> uh, we had a lot of spare time on our summer vacations, me and my cousin. Um, so I guess you have something in common with the arsonist. Is like on on. <laughs> kinda, yeah. I mean, I never wanted to set anyone's house on fire, but I did want to set our stuff on fire. <laughs> the fires in question are relatively small, achieving considerable destruction by the wick, wick effect. And relatively nearby objects may not be close enough to catch fire themselves. As with other mysteries, Nickel and Fisher cautioned against, quote, single simplistic explanation for all unusual burning deaths, which is true. You shouldn't jump to conclusions and be like, aliens, ghosts, can only, <laughs> only po- possible explanation. Uh, but rather urged, urged investigating to, quote, on an individual basis, which is how you should handle anything. Yeah. Um, Steve Novella has said that skepticism about human spontaneous combustion is now bleeding over into becoming popular skepticism about spontaneous combustion. Here are some suggested explanations. Uh, Some hypotheses attempt to explain how SHC might occur without an external flame source, while other hypotheses or hypotheses, suggest incidents that might appear as spontaneous combustion actually had an external source of ignition, and that the likelihood of spontaneous human combustion without an external ignition source is quite low. Benjamin Radford, science writer and deputy editor of the science magazine Skeptical Inquirer, casts doubt on the plausibility of spontaneous human combustion. He's quoted here, If SHC is a real phenomenon and not the result of an elderly or infirm person being too close to a flame source, why does it happen more often? There are 5 billion, uh, the world's population reached 5 billion in 1987, people in the world, and yet we don't see reports of people bursting into flame while walking down the street, attending football games, or sipping coffee at a local Starbucks. Now that would be quite the sight. I'll have a mocha latte. This coffee's too hot. <laughs> it would be, it, it, what if it, the guy was an ass he was like an asshole at, at the Starbucks he was being the, the type of customer who's all like being too picky and everything and asking them to do it again and then the person at the barista is like you know sometimes I wish you just light on fire uh, 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 you, uh, alright sir you know what you know what I'm sick of this you can go to hell ah! <laughs> 
So a paranormal researcher, Brian Dunning, states that SHC stories are simply rare cases where a natural death in isolation has been followed by a slow combustion from some nearby source of ignition. He further suggests that reports of people suddenly aflame should be called unsolved deaths by fire, stating that an unknown cause didn't necessarily imply the fire lacked an external ignition, so- ignition source. That's not fun. No, there's nothing fun unsolved about that. Unsolved deaths by fire? Come on. That doesn't have a good ring to it. So like that- spontaneous human combustion, which there actually is a film uh, that has Brad Dourif in it. I haven't seen it in years. And uh, Brad Dourif, you, you, you might know him. He voiced uh, the Chucky doll in the Child's Play films. Oh, yeah. Me and Brad hang out all the time. <laughs> uh, and so he, he plays this guy who's experimented on and somewhere in World War II with atomic stuff. And he gets these powers to be able to light things and people on fire it's uh, you know it'd be interesting combustion. it'd be interesting to see like a ufc fight between rain boy and that guy <laughs> <laughs> see which one would win exactly uh so here here we have a couple natural explanations uh almost all cases of it's shc involve persons with low mobility due to advanced age or obesity along with poor health Victims show a likelihood of having died in their sleep or of being unable to move once they had caught fire. Cigarettes are often seen as the source of fire as the improper disposal of smoking materials causes one of every four fire deaths in the United States. Well, not ever since they have those new regulations on the cigarettes where they'll go out if you don't suck on it for long enough. Natural causes such as heart attacks may lead to the victim dying, subsequently dropping the cigarette which after a period of uh, smoldering can ignite the victim's clothes. Yeah, but, I mean, wouldn't you find evidence of, like, a butt or something like that in yeah. the fire, you know? Like, I mean, I don't know. The wick effect hypothesis suggests that a small external flame source, such as a burning cigarette, charged the clothing of the victim at, the, at a location, splitting the skin and releasing subcutaneous fat. Ugh. Ugh. Ew. Gross. <laughs> which in turn is absorbed into the burned clothing, acting as a wick. The combustion can continue for as long as the fuel is available. The hypothesis has been successfully tested with animal tissue, pig tissue, and is consistent with evidence recovered from cases of human combustion. The human body typically has enough stored energy and fat and other chemical stores to fully combust the body. Even lean people have several pounds of fat in their tissues. Don't remind me. Yeah, I know, right? Jeez, we're all self-conscious looking at ourselves in the mirror right now. Me and Mike, we're looking at our fat thighs. Jeez. (laughs) This fat, once heated by the burning clothing, wicks into the clothing as much as candle wax, which typically was originally made of animal fat, Uh wicks into a lit candle wick to provide the fuel needed to keep the wick burning. The protein in the body also burns, but provides less energy than fat, with the water in the body being the main impediment to combustion. However, slow combustion lasting hours gives the water time to evaporate slowly. In an enclosed area, such as a house, the moisture will recondense nearby, such as on windows. Note that the feet often have the least fat, so they don't typically burn. Hands also have little fat, but may burn if on the abdomen, which provides all the needed fat. This certainly isn't a romantic way to uh, break down the beauty of the human body and all that, is it? No. Uh, I don't think there's any really uh, romantic way to die. Uh, This certainly would be one of the least romantic ways to die if I had to pick. Uh, John Abrahamson suggested that ball lightning could account for spontaneous human combustion. Quote, this is, this, this is circumstantial only. 
Hear me out, fuckers. No, he didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> this is circumstantial only, but the charring of human limbs seen in a number of ball lightning cases are very suggestive that this mechanism may also have occurred where people have had limbs combusted, says Abraham. Now you're speaking my language. Ball lightning is an explanation for it. Um, ball lightning is a really cool phenomenon anyway. Uh, it's Explain. pretty rare. But what do you mean it's lame? No, I, I said explain. <laughs> oh, explain? Oh, ball lightning. Well, I'll just click on the Wikipedia page real quick. Uh, ball lightning is unexplained atmospheric electrical phenomenon. The, the term reports to reports of luminous spherical objects that vary from pea size to several meters in diameter. Though usually associated with thunderstorms, the phenomenon lasts considerably longer than the split-second flash of a lightning bolt. Many early reports claim that the ball eventually explodes, sometimes with fatal consequences, leaving behind the odor of sulfur. Until the 1960s, most scientists argued that the ball lightning, that ball lightning was not a real phenomenon but an urban myth, despite numerous reports from throughout the world. Laboratory experiments can produce effects that are visually similar to reports of ball lightning, but how these relate to natural phenomenon remains unclear. Uh, but then there was uh, somebody captured a ball lightning event on video in January of 2014, which oh, included cool. a video at a high frame rate. Damn, I wonder if that's... I bet that's on YouTube. I'm going to search for that right now. Go back to the natural explanations and do the scalding one while I look for that. Scalding can cause burn-like injuries, including death, without setting fire to clothing. Although not applicable in cases where the body is charred and burnt, this has been suggested as a cause in at least one claimed SHC-like event. Uh, Brian J. Ford has suggested that ketosis, possibly caused by alcoholism or low-carb dieting, produces acetone. And ketosis, I think, is an actual – it's a metabolic state in which some of the body's energy supply comes from ketone bodies in the blood. In contrast to a state of glycolysis uh, in which blood glucose provides most of the energy. So ketosis, possibly caused by alcoholism or low-carb dieting, produces acetone which is highly flammable and could therefore lead to apparently spontaneous human combustion. Can you imagine that? I'm on my low-carb diet. I'm losing weight. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I thought. That's not yeah, you're losing weight now. That's not, what, that's not what I thought about. So, yeah, there's a bunch when of it videos. it said I would lose weight. There's a bunch of videos about uh, ball lightning on YouTube. There's the one that comes up very first. Uh... It's got a uh, hundred ten thousand views. It's from six months ago. Yeah. Um, that really gives a whole new term, a whole new meaning to the term uh, "burn," fat burning. But don't say. You know, burn off that fat. Burn off those pounds with this low carb diet. Yeah. Sorry about that. I was playing the video to actually try to see this ball lightning. It's pretty cool, but you know, with this shit, man, you never know what's fake. So there was anymore. a guy who was saying something on the video. He's like, some kind of language that's I'm guessing Slavic in nature. I thought I thought it was like somebody over at your place being like, "What? Yes, that is my uncle Milos. Milos says hello to podcast listeners, but he says in Russia, podcast listens to you." Uh, <laughs> yak off. Yeah. Uh, SHC can can also be confused as self-immolation as a form of suicide. In the West, self-immolation accounts for one percent of suicides. Uh, I mean, of all the way, I now understand suicide. You know, just 
burning yourself to death? Speaking, speaking of Rage Against Machine and speaking of self-immolation, if you want to see one of the most badass album covers of all time, check out Rage Against Machine's very first album. It's self-titled. And it's literally that, that famous picture of that monk who was yeah. uh, protesting. Uh, I forget exactly what he was protesting. But he uh, sits in the was middle. It, was it Vietnam? I don't know if it was Vietnam. It, it might have been the occupation of some like some city or something. But anyway, he douses himself in gasoline. And he sets himself on fire in the middle yeah. of a street. And the eyewitnesses said they never even heard him make so much as a sound as he was burning to death. I mean, that's some... That monks, man, the stuff they can do with their bodies are just unbelievable. Monk, so, monks could be a yeah. topic that we could talk about sometime, too. While Radford claims in developing countries, the figure can be as high as 40%. And sometimes there are reasonable explanations for the deaths, but proponents ignore official autopsies for contradictory evidence in favor of anecdotal accounts and personal testimonies. Well, that is um, Spontaneous Human Combustion. You can read up more about it if you would like to. Unfortunately, I personally am running out of time for today. Um, I have to go and run some errands and stuff before my uh, karaoke <laughs> Don't want to talk about some notable examples? Uh, you can talk about notable ex- Well, no, you actually can't because you're recording through my thing here. But, um, yeah, um, I am, I'm running low on time. If uh, you're a Jacksonville listener to this podcast, hit me up, man. Come out to my gig tonight, Dak Shack, Orange Park. That means nothing to any of you, but uh, might mean something to somebody. But any, but anyways... Um, <laughs> I guess we'll save the notable examples and a few other things for a bonus thing. The bonus Real thing, quick. yeah, because there's an Unsolved Mystery segment on this, too, so we can save that. Um, but, yeah, if you would like more, Josh and Mike, but separately, like, as far as, like, where we're not together, um, because of the divorce that's going through. <laughs> I can't do this, Mike. No, I'm just joking. Um, Hang in there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, way to be real sensitive about it, Mike. All you have to say is, hang in there. I sound like Johnny Cash just then, kind of, hang in there. Hang in there. I fell into a burning, a burning ring of fire. Herpes, herpes, herpes. The... Anyway, um, anyway, you can find Mike on YouTube, and he does movies and uh, rants. Does a lot of rants. You just did one against that, what, that fighting movie? Fight. This fight. Okay, fist fuck. Oh man, you got <laughs> you got pissed off at that movie. Anyway, you can find him on there by uh, if you want to know what I'm talking about, go to youtube.com/ocpcommunications. If you want to catch a little bit of Juicy J, which is my name, um, if I was a black man in his late 30s who had, who had a successful rap career. Um, <laughs> I am dan- uh, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Uh, my most recent videos is a tour of my room and a uh, I try it's Canadian kind of food. Because it was your tour of your room that was literally what, like a, a week or a few days before you bought the new house? I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> I did a tour of my room and now I'm moving out. So it's kind of like, well, now I got to do another one. But it'll be a while before <laughs> I get everything set up in my new place. Yeah. But you can find me on there and... Um, I think that's it, right? I don't know if there's anything else to say. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I felt like this one was a smooth, other than the one edit I'm going to have to do, which you guys won't know about, but (laughs) probably didn't even have to mention it or bring it up, but I did because I'm not professional. You ruined the the illusion. But yeah. Um, So I guess, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, don't spontaneously combust, and uh, we will see you later. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. (laughs) 